The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, let's turn our attention to this story now, and uh, we're going to be looking at the issue of executions that are taking place. This is within the SADC, within the continent rather, not just limited to SADC. Uh, so Botswana, Somalia and South Sudan are said to continue to dominate when it comes to executions. It's part of Amnesty International's latest 2020 death penalty report. The human rights body says the COVID-19 pandemic did not deter 18 countries from carrying out executions last year. Now, Oluwatosin Popula is Amnesty International's death penalty advisor. Good morning and thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Hello, good morning and thanks for having me. Firstly, let's talk about how concerned you are about the rate of executions on the continent. Um, we are indeed um, extremely concerned um, because Amnesty International opposes the death penalty in all cases without exception, um, regardless of um, the nature of the crime, the characteristics of the individual, or, or the method used uh, to execute a person. Um, yesterday, we uh, launched a global um, a report on the global use of the death penalty, and it's quite important to to emphasize the uh, key findings of our report. Um, in 2020, we found that, you know, as the world focused on finding ways to protect lives from COVID-19, some governments went to extra lengths to use or intensify their results to the death penalty. Um, also, uh, in 2020, we recorded the lowest number of noon executions um, globally in more than a, a decade. Um, there was relative progress uh, on the use of the death penalty uh, last year, and um, we we hope that 2021 uh, will not be a year of regression. With regards to Africa, um, there was um, a reduction as well in the use of uh, the death penalty, both in terms of the number of executions carried out and the number of death sentences imposed. In general, what concerns you most about um, the executions that are taking place. I, I mean, beyond the fact that... No, let me let you answer that question. Sorry, let me let you answer that question. Um, generally, uh, our, our concern is premised on the fact that um, uh, a, a lot of governments, retentionist states in, around the world that continue to use the death penalty, um, use it you know, in, in contravention of uh, international uh, law. Um, for 2020, I'll give you a few examples which are, uh, are quite um, uh, concerning. You know, China continued to execute thousands of people, and it keeps its uh, data on the use of the death penalty uh, as a state secret. Um, Egypt, um, you know, more than tripled its yearly execution uh, numbers um, from 32 executions that were recorded in the country in 2019. Um, to 107 executions um, that were known to have been carried out last year uh, on the continent. Zambia imposed a high number of death sentences, despite the fact that you know there was a pandemic. Um, you know, Zambia imposed 119 death sentences, 18 more than in 2019. Um, India resumed executions in, in March of last year after five years. Uh, put into death four men convicted um, of uh, the Delhi gang rape. 
uh, and MODA in 2012. Um, you know, Oman, Qatar, uh, Taiwan also resumed executions for the first time uh, mm-hmm. since 2015 and uh, 20, uh, I think 2018, respectively. Mm-hmm. Are you are you finding that where the the countries who are implementing a policy of executions are you finding that you're winning in terms of the campaign where you are advocating for the right to human life that that is at all changing perceptions and is changing the position of these countries Amnesty International strongly believes that uh, the death penalty is a violation of the right to life as declared in the Universal uh, Declaration of Human Rights. Um, it's the ultimate cruel and human and degrading punishment which has no place in the 21st century. Mm. Um, since 1977, when we began our global campaign against the death penalty, at that time in 1977, only 16 countries had abolished the death penalty for all crimes. Um, as I speak to you, but today, 108 countries, uh, the majority of countries in the world, have now abolished this um, uh, horrible punishment. And in the last uh, few years, we've seen a global decline in the uh, number of executions carried out around the world. You know, there, there was a drop of 26% in 2020 compared to uh, 2019. In Saudi Arabia, for example, you know, Saudi Arabia is... Uh, a country notorious for carrying out high number of executions, the executions in that country actually declined sharply by 85% in 2020. Iraq also reduced the number of executions it, it carried out. So we are seeing progress. On the continent, um, Chad uh, abolished the death penalty for all crimes, becoming the fifth country in the, in the uh, last 10 years to uh, abolish the death penalty for all crimes. In total, you know, in you know, the continent, uh, 21 countries have now abolished the death penalty for all crimes, mm. whilst uh, just uh, uh, um, a few countries actually, uh, um, you know, use the death penalty. Although some may still have it in their laws, they actually uh, carry out executions, although they impose death sentences. When we continue with the conversation, I want us to look at the association between access to a fair and a just trial and ultimately the executions that we also see carried out. Have you been able to to study that relationship? And uh, do we know that the people who are being executed have actually been given fair opportunity um, to a trial and, and to be fairly represented in that process? I'm in conversation with uh, Olu Watosin Popula, who is Amnesty International's death penalty advisor. We'll take a quick break and I'm back with more of this conversation after this. With Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. You're live on The Talking Point and we're looking at Amnesty International's uh, uh, the latest report on the death on death penalties um, that took place in 2020 and we're in conversation with the organization's death penalty advisor Oluwatosin Popula. Uh, Oluwatosin, I was talking about the 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 access to justice here and the kind of trials that those who are executed would have been afforded. Are you finding that there is a fair access to justice? Uh, generally, in our monitoring of the use of the death penalty globally, we often find that um, 
people who face um, capital trials um, are often denied um, a fair trial, uh, which is a contravention of, of international law. Uh, some defendants uh, in, in many countries around the world are, mm-hmm. are not given access to adequate legal representation. Um, you know, generally, for example, in, in, in 2020, we, we found a number of violations of international law. Death penalty, you know, continues to be used in, in ways that violated international law and standards. For example, uh, in Iran, at least one public execution was recorded. Um, also in Iran, three people were executed uh, for crimes that occurred when they, they were below the age of 18, um, which is also, you know, against international law. Uh, people with mental uh, or intellectual disabilities were known to be under sentence of death in, in several countries uh, like Japan, Pakistan, and the USA. Mm. Um, death sentences were known to have been imposed after trials that did not meet international fair trial standards in countries like the Bahrain, Bangladesh, Egypt, confessions that you know may have been extracted through torture or other ill treatment. We're used to, to convict, you know, uh, people to death in, in, in Egypt, Iran and Saudi Arabia. The, the the issue of Iran, one of the things that you found is that Iran is also continuing to use the, the, the death penalty as a weapon of political repression and in particular against some of the dissidents in, in that country and protesters. How are you finding that this often plays itself out in terms of who the individuals that are targeted are? Yes, it's very Iran is very concerning. It's um, it's the um, second uh, most prolific executioner executing country in the world after China. Um, you know, executions. I mean, Iran continued to use the death penalty for crimes that did not meet the threshold of most serious uh, crimes, um, such as meaning meaning crimes. Uh, involving intentional killing. Uh, under international law, the death penalty is allowed in limited circumstances uh, for uh, the most serious crimes. That is, that these are crimes that involve intentional killing. And Iran tends to use you know, the death penalty for crimes that don't meet that threshold, like for, for spying. Mm. Um, one man, for example, last year was executed for, for drinking alcohol. Um, or, or um, uh, they, they also include, uh, uh, you know, crimes like, uh, um, you know, protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know. In addition, you know, the death was increasingly used as a, as a weapon of political repression against dissidents, uh, protesters, and, and members of ethnic minority groups. For example, in December, uh, a dissident journalist um, called um, Rola Zam was executed in connection with his anti-establishment social media news channel. You know, the mm-hmm. authorities brought vaguely and overly broad criminal charges that carried death penalty against protesters. Mm-hmm. Scores of protesters last year you know, who had been arrested in connection with uh, a major protest in November of 2019 were charged with crimes like um, enmity against God, spreading corruption on earth, um, or harmed in- insurrection against the state. You know, mm-hmm. several were sentenced to death following unfair trials that relied on torture-tainted confession. Mm. 
It certainly is a, a very concerning situation. I'm going to go to the phone lines. I also want us to take a look at um, Egypt because, you know, there's some there's some issues that the report has also picked up on, on Egypt. Before we go there, um, Botsalo in Khaboroni, good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and, and your guest. Great to speak to you. Uh, I thought I should just give a perspective of somebody um, who comes from a country that practices the death penalty. Mm, please. Um, in the instance of, of Botswana. It remains popular here, and I think um, your guest will testify um, to the figures uh, that show uh, the popularity of the death penalty in Botswana. Mm. And I suppose the one point I want to talk to is whether the death penalty uh, reduces murder rate, crime, and so on. Our view here has really nothing to do with that narrative of whether it, it is a deterrent, that's the word they use, or whether it's a deterrent or not. Mainly, people support the death penalty in Botswana, and not all of us, but the majority. There are people who are pro-abolition that it should be abolished. The vast majority are in support. And our view is that, look, if we take a person's life, mm. your life should also be taken. In other words, although it doesn't sound like a, a palatable word, we do it for purpose of retribution. We are saying there's no way you can live when you have taken somebody's life. Of course, there are certain extenuating circumstances where people you have killed are not are sentenced to death. Right, like giving jail terms and so on. Mm. But in extreme cases, and where there's been a very exhaustive, um, thorough um, legal process where there are safeguards, people go through appeal and so on, people are sentenced to death. And in our view, that's the proper way to do things. You know, mm. it's not so much about deterrence. We mm. hope there's deterrence, but mm. we don't have statistics to show if it does deter people from murdering because they do continue to do so. So, so saying there must be retribution, there must mm. be punishment in the form of the ultimate sentence for people who murder, who kill others. Botswana, one of the things that, that we saw in, in 2020, in Botswana in particular, is that the rate at which people are being executed actually doubled from the figure compared to the previous year. And this is despite the fact that we had the COVID-19 period, the, the lockdowns, etc. And, you know, fr- from your perspective as somebody who's in the country and I imagine, you know, would have a good sense of what is happening if, if you're up to speed with, with some, of, some of the news. Do you find that people have been able to access justice over this past year and this is just by way of being able to have fair trials when it comes to uh, some of the charges or, or issues that that they're facing oh, well just a bit of clarification at first mm. you know you, you cited figures as uh, that doubled and so on mm. the point is between the time you are convicted and sentenced to death and the actual date of execution it takes years it's not a process that happens overnight or in months. Mm, mm. So you find that people years were executed in 2020, but they've been on death row for, let's say, seven, eight years or so, going okay. through legal processes. Mm. It is debatable whether, and I must admit, whether people get the the uh, necessary uh, um, level of, of legal representation, mm. whether it's sufficient or not. But like I say, there are safeguards in the form of different levels of court processes 
you know, from the High Court to the Appeals Court and so on. So it's really exhaustive. The idea is to ensure that it's to lessen or minimize mistakes or eliminate mistakes when it comes to people being executed. And, and, and so and, far, yeah. there hasn't been any case where in Botswana an individual has been found to have been executed um, on a false premise. And and for you, Botalo, just personally, your view, you, you don't see executions as, as a violation of somebody's right to life? No, I, 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 I don't take it from, from midway. I take it from the beginning mm. that the very person who commits murder in the first place is the one at fault and some kind of retribution must be visited on that murderer. And I think that's the general view here. So I'm surprised, you know, in many countries where people say they're abolishing the death penalty and so on. I mean, you can imagine the the sort of gratuitous murders that take place involving children and so on, old people. And then somebody supposed to be going to jail, spend the rest of their lives there, or they're out in 15 years, in 20 years, and you call that human rights. We don't think it's human rights. We think this violation happened when the murder happened. And the murderer must face the consequences. Botalo, Botalo in Khaburone, thanks for calling in and for making that view uh, as clear as you have. We'll take a quick break. I'm back with Ronnie, with Alfred and with Jay after this. You've got to be kidding me. This is the line. I'll be here all day. <laughs> I, I know, right? And surprise, surprise, only two of the five tellers are open. <sighs> you, you in a hurry? I'm running late and have another appointment, but I really need to pay my TV license. It's overdue. <laughs> you here to pay that? Uh, yeah. Didn't you know you can just visit tvlic.co.za on your mobile, select fast pay option, and boom, you're done. Super fast and super convenient. Wow, just like that? Oh, thanks. You're yeah. a lifesaver. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how's about your number? Uh, no, sorry. Gotta go. No. TV licenses. Save time by paying online. Hashtag made possible by you. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point and we've been looking at Amnesty International's 2020 death penalty report and, uh, you know, just looking at the rate of executions that have taken place, um, you know, despite the pandemic that we've been facing and Amnesty International's death penalty advisor Oli Watterson Popula is on the line. I'm also taking your calls on the subject. Robbie in the Northwest, good morning. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm not very good. I'm actually mm. very angry, and I want to talk to the gentleman. Then, uh, uh, you know what's what what's killing me, ma'am? Mm. Uh, uh, the the justice system as a whole protects the criminals, and you, as a law-abiding citizen, uh, are then uh, you. There's no justice for you. You hear they are talking about is the criminal getting justice? Did he get a fair trial? What not? Let's talk about those people they killed. I think it's somewhere in uh, was in Pumalanga or whatnot. Mm. They killed those four people. They hit the baby on the bed with a knob kiri. Those people didn't get a fair trial. Right? Those people didn't. As they were, those criminals came into their house and did that. And now we are. What's wrong with the whole world is the the criminals are protected. The criminals has a right to life. The criminals. Every right they have. You, as a citizen who needs protection, don't have rights. So, this 
Amnesty International is not working, and if the the the, the, the executions went up in 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 lockdown, it's because of the criminals didn't stop. So why protect the criminals? Why are we so uh, uh, fighting for their rights? Mm-hmm. Fight for us. If mm-hmm. he kills, let him be killed. No, no, uh, innocent children beheaded, stuff like that. Then you want to protect? No, he must get a veteran. No, there's no, there's no. He's a devil. He can't live with society. I'm going to get Olu Watterson to to respond to your view in a moment, uh, Robbie. Let me wrap up with Jay. Jay, you're calling us from KZN. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for this time, and thank you to our guest. Mm. It's a really, very urgent, important, and, uh, yes, very concerning. Yes, somebody's taking one's life Mm. in the murderer himself. So the person who uh, was executed, I think he has triumphed. He has uh, become victorious in, in his action. He's, he's done what he has done. But the person who's taking your life now for the rest of the life they're going to be, it's going to be on the conscience. I think these offenders should be put away like uh, one time we had the Robin Island. Mm. They are isolated completely from society. Let them rem- uh, remain there, repent, repair and become a better person maybe later in life. Mm, mm. And as our previous caller said, the murderers of children, mothers, wives, sisters, wherever, and people who are shooting in the malls and, you know, hijacking and all the things. So each one of them are murderers. So what do you do? You set them free. The lawyers and people who are handling all these people's cases are the ones that are living off a better life. So we as society, at the end of the day, have to suffer with all the murderers around us. Thank you very much. So, so Jay, ultimately your suggestion is that there should be an alternative approach to having the executions. There's a rehabilitation thing Mm. in a very spiritual way, educational, discipline. And, and, and so forth. Jesus was crucified and people have repented. The world has lost. He was only 30 years old. What Jesus has triumphant. The executors today in the nation, those nations are ever, ever so regretful. Yes. All right. All right, Jay, thanks for calling in with that view. Um, Oli Watterson, quite a lot has been said, but, you know, I, I imagine that the arguments that are pro the death penalty are things that you hear all the time. Yes, indeed, we, we hear this argument all, all the time. Um, I, I must uh, emphasize that um, um, opposition to the death penalty does not mean that uh, one condones crime. Uh, Amnesty International certainly does not condone crime in any shape or form. Um, if anyone has committed any any, any crime, including any of crimes, um, uh, the person should face a fair trial and, and should uh, be held accountable and face justice. But what we are saying is that the punishment should not be death because we we all should value death. Uh, we all should value life, and um, no one's life should be taken away. For whatever reason, that doesn't mean that one should not be uh, punished or held accountable for uh, um, a crime that has been committed. Um, there is no credible evidence that the death penalty 
has a greater deterrence on crime than uh, imprisonment, for example. Um, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Mm. Um, we should always seek justice and accountability, not retaliation. But does it come down to what we understand and perceive to be justice? Um, yes, indeed. I think justice should be about accountability, uh, ensuring that um, anyone who has um, committed a crime and found guilty by a court of law or gone through a fair trial um, is punished um, um, for the crime. But, you know, the punishment should not be for death. Because, you know, when you, when you kill somebody, um, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm talking about judicial killing here, the, the person hasn't been held accountable as such. When, when the person dies, the person is gone. And there hasn't been any, any um, you know, proper accountability of, or, or the opportunity for the person to actually be, to be held um, responsible mm. and to reflect on, on the crime that has been committed. And and, and, and and oftentimes, of course, you have people who respond in a different way. Some people are remorseful for their crimes. Others are not remorseful. And I think that also contributes to the kind of perception that people have over what should happen when somebody has committed especially uh, very atrocious crimes. Yes, indeed. And I think one thing that, that governments around the world, particularly in retentionist countries, should bear in mind is that um, uh, they should be tough on crime and tough on the causes of crime and um, you know, try to ensure uh, a better society uh, that is free of crime, where crime can be uh, uh, reduced to a minimal level or eradicated completely. Once you have that, then you wouldn't have a case of uh, people having to to be punished with the death penalty or to go to prison. Indeed, some people get remorseful after, after conviction mm. uh, and others don't. But I think the key thing is that whoever commits a crime should be held accountable uh, appropriately uh, within the legal system. All right. Thank you so much for being part of our conversation today. Olu Watusen Popula is Amnesty International's death penalty advisor. So much more that I think we can bring out of that particular conversation. It's 11 o'clock. Utile Sako standing by with your news update.